Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 5, Term 1. This is Lesson 8. We are going to pick up where we left off on page 4 in Chapter 18. And uh, once again, we are looking at Matthew Chapter 5 and Verse 3, where Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I said this to you before, and let me repeat it. Biblical scholar Leon Morris said again that for theirs is the kingdom of heaven actually means the riches of the kingdom belong to the poor in spirit in the fullest measure. And he adds that it points to a significant blessing for the poor in spirit right now. So that, in other words, it is a now blessing, not one of those one day in the sweet by and by blessing. Amen? And that's something that I think a lot of times people push off to when Jesus comes. Well, you know, before Jesus comes, we need to do stuff now. We need blessings now. Amen? We need provision now. And um, just to get a little understanding of what is being spoken of here, I want to look at some selective verses in Ephesians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul writes, beginning in verse 3, I'm not going to read all the verses, so we're going to jump from verse 3 to verse 7, then to verse 17. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Are you getting this? Amen. It says again here that who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And so he begins to list them now, one after the other. Uh, And I've said here for the sake of time, we'll just consider a few of these spiritual blessings. Beginning uh, with verse 7 where he says, In him we have redemption through his blood. We have redemption through his blood. Redemption, we have been redeemed. Okay? Uh, one of the ways of looking at that is, you know, when, when mankind sinned, we, we, we went into slavery. Can, we, can, can I use some terms here? Okay, we, we went into bondage and into slavery, and, and the devil had our title deed, so to speak. Okay, he owned us. And what redemption is when, when they put you up on the block, okay, to be sold... Somebody buys you, somebody redeems you, somebody says, I'll take that for a dollar. No, it wasn't a dollar. But, okay, he says, I'll pay for that. I'll pay for that person. Isn't that what Jesus did? When he died, he paid with his life, with his blood for every single one of us. Amen? And he bought us back, basically. And that's what this is talking about. In him, we have redemption. Notice, through his blood. He had to pay that price. Amen? All right. And then he goes on to say, the forgiveness of sins. That is one of the, the most incredible things for us to, to understand and walk in. That whatever problem, whatever situation that we get ourselves into, whether we were tricked into it, or whether we did it on purpose. Okay, there's only basically those two things. Okay, alright. That there is forgiveness. See, some people say, well, if you did something knowingly, well, there's no forgiveness. Well, that's to say that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough for that. You see, you know, whether we do it knowingly or unknowingly, as long as we repent. Do you understand? All right. What is not good, and we're going to probably be talking about this on Sunday, what is not good, no, actually it'll be about three Sundays. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ahead. What is not good <laughs> is when people don't repent. When, when they're doing the wrong thing and they're unrepentant, that's dangerous. That's a huge problem. Amen? But if you do ask for forgiveness, it's always there. Amen. 
I've said this before. God isn't looking for perfect people. He's just looking for honest ones. Amen. Okay. The perfection will come with the honesty. He'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Amen. All right. So, so again, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Oh, thank God. This isn't according to what we deserve. Amen. It's according to the riches of His grace. You know, somebody defined grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. Everything that we receive from God is at Christ's expense. Amen? And this is no different. And this is the reason why as well, that we need to understand that there is a grace. Do you remember Hebrews? What does it say? Come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain what? Mercy. Amen? Do you know why you call out for mercy? When you know you deserve something else. Amen? <laughs> okay? <laughs> because <laughs> this, this, this is something you did wrong. It was your bad. And now you're looking for mercy. Amen? And isn't that beautiful that you go to the throne of, not judgment, but the throne of grace. And it says, come boldly to the throne of grace. And ob- obtain mercy. Okay? In a time of need. And so on and so forth. Anyway. So, moving on to verse 17. So, these are some of these spiritual blessings. Verse, uh, Ephesians 1 and verse 17, I'm on page 5. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I want you to notice wisdom and revelation. This is one of the things that we lost at the fall. Do you know that we have been operating in natural knowledge ever since then? We lost our uh, uh, spiritual capability to contact God and walk in His wisdom and walk in revelation. See, revelation is a very high form of information. It is information that has been revealed to you. Okay? Uh, A lot of times we we, um, know things, but we don't understand the significance of those things. Do you understand? And because so many people throughout the ages, you know, have invented things and without understanding the significance of what they invented, have sold it to somebody for almost nothing. And the people that knew the significance of them have made billions of bucks on them. Hello. You know what I'm trying to say? That's revelation. Do you know we were meant to, when we were created, God designed us to operate in revelation, not information. Do you get this now? We were meant to walk in revelation. We were meant to be able to see into things, not just understand that you know that thing exists, but why does it, why does it exist, and how best can we use it? Wisdom and revelation. Do you understand? This has been given back to us. We have been taken back to that point before Adam and Eve sinned. This is the reason why I say to you, you know. Expect to be better. Expect to be smarter. God is starting to speak to you. He's starting to bring things into you. And you need to go with it. And it might freak you out a little bit at the beginning. Just keep going. (laughs) Okay? You know, uh, remember the words of the Old Testament? Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not afraid. Remember Joshua? He said, don't be afraid, man. You fear, you'll start turning and running the other way. I can't help you when you're running in the opposite direction. Okay, I'll teach you how to fight, not how to run away. There's no lessons in how to run away. But there, okay, but there are lessons in how to stand and fight. Having done all to stand, 
Stand, therefore. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's get back to this. So it says here, uh, that He may give you the spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And see... I would love to preach on all of this for a long time, but I won't, okay? But let me just give you, notice that it is wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. When you begin to understand the Creator of all things, the creation makes sense. Do you understand? If, yeah, amen. And so when you start seeing it through those eyes, you know, so much of the time, once you get, you know, if you know someone that created something, while everybody else is looking at the things it can do, you'll know why it was created. And probably some of the things that maybe wasn't in the handbook, you know. Because there was a reason behind the creation, and it was, if it was created for a particular purpose, then you'll be looking for those things straight away. And if it's not there, you'll go ask, where is it? Amen. Hello. Okay. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Praise God. This is one of the things that you can pray over people that are resisting the gospel. This is not just for you. Now, it's awesome for you, but I'm just giving you a little hint here that this is one of the things you can actually pray for people that are resisting the gospel, that the eyes of their understanding, notice, the eyes of their understanding are enlightened. Because what's happening is the devil is keeping them in the dark. These are not enlightened people. Do you understand? Everybody that rejects God is a person that is not enlightened. Can I say that? Do you know why? Because God is light. Hello. Okay. <laughs> I'm using a little thing here. But okay. God is light. You know, when, because you have, you have seen the light, you are now enlightened. Amen. Do you all get that? Okay. All right. So you know the people that are rejecting God, they don't know. I like what somebody once said. Regardless of how people treat you when you witness to them and so on, at the end of the day, nobody really wants to go to hell. Seriously, they really don't. They might be resisting you and don't want your religion, so to speak, is what they're thinking in their head. But if they knew where they were actually going and what you were actually trying to do, they would very quickly say yes. Do you understand? If they knew hell was waiting for them. if they Remember what happened with the rich man and Lazarus? Remember when he was down there? He, you know one of the things that he said? Send somebody, I've got brothers there. So that they don't end up here. And remember, you know, you know what you know, you know what Abraham said, right? He said, "Look, the prophets and everybody are down there. If they don't listen to them, they're going to listen to you, man. I mean, they're going to think that's a pizza a day or something. You know, people are amazing how they will push off spiritual things and God's intervention to something natural, because that's what they do. What they, the reason is, if you don't want to hear, you won't hear, regardless of how much people, you know." how much God brings across your path. That's why you need this. You pray this and something internal happens. The eyes of their understanding, they suddenly go, oh my gosh. They won't say God, okay, yet, because they're not there yet. But they'll go, oh my gosh, I see something here. I, I get why they're trying to talk to me. I, I get it now. Amen? And their eyes, you know, the eyes of their understanding are enlightened and they're more apt to say yes to all the things that you've been ministering. How many of you know... <laughs> I don't know how many times people that have got saved have looked back and, and said, thank God you didn't stop trying. You know, I realize now how stupid I was. You know how, what they're saying? 
how unenlightened I was. <laughs> okay? That my eyes were blind. I couldn't see what you were trying to say. Amen. And we are dealing with a spiritual dead planet, which is what's so difficult, which is the reason why we need somebody to go in there and open their eyes. Amen? Which is why prayer is so important and why we pray. Alright, so verse 18, it says, uh, that, that's a little something for you to use. It's the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you... Actually, stop for a second. This is your way of letting know that they are spiritually poor. Amen? And letting them know that they need something from God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Alright, so let's get back to this. So the eyes of the understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. Do you understand the significance of this? A lot of people don't know what they're called to. What God has hoped for. See, every one of you, God has a hope in His heart. He has a destiny for you, and He hopes that you get a hold of it. That you'll actually do what He's asked you to do. That you see it and begin to understand the significance of you being here. Amen? And it's in the little things that great things happen. You know, somebody might say, well, all I did was, you know, raise this kid. You know, I was, uh, I was a single parent and, uh, you know, I didn't have too much time to do anything, you know, for the church and stuff. But one thing I did is I raised this kid to honor God and to, to, to pray and to do all those things. Do you know what I'm trying to say? What happened, you know, and not that this is the case, but we look back and she goes, well, what was, you know, I'm sorry God, I couldn't do anything more for you than that. And we look ahead and we see that this child, this is not a true story, okay, that this child's name was Billy Graham. Now do we understand what happened? In the little things you do, there are great things that are, that are destined to happen. And sometimes we scoff the little things and don't realize that what we're actually doing is nurturing something that is going to change the world. Amen? So don't ever, ever think what you're doing is insignificant. You don't know what you're preparing for the future. You don't know what seeds are being sown and what incredible oak trees are going to end up at the other end. You see this tiny little thing and you go, well, you know, what, what, what is this worth? And Jesus talked about the mustard seed, which is the tiniest, and yet when it grows, there are birds that come and nest in it. And it's a home for so many you know, of the birds out there. This tiny little seed. Amen? Amen. Alright, so, that's that you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? Dear God, these verses are just packed. The riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Are you a saint? You have riches. Okay. They are beyond description. And you need to walk in them. The way that you walk in these things is by acknowledging that you don't have them. Amen? That you do need something from God. Hallelujah. Now, remember again that there is faith, the faith, there is faith in God and the faith of God. Right now we're talking about faith in God. That's why I said you can't have one or the other. You have to have both. They both have a place in your life. There are some things that only faith in God will, will allow you to receive things from God. 
and there are things that only the faith of God will be needed in order to change things. Amen? Amen. Okay. Verse 19. So these are all the spiritual blessings. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? Oh, I have to stop here for a minute. I am so sorry. I cannot go past this one. Okay. Um, (laughs) Notice it says, what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? There is exceeding great power toward us only as we believe. Otherwise, nothing happens. God said something really interesting, you know. It's interesting how God will sometimes string a few things together and you just get bowled over. I had one of those bowled over experiences, kind of, you know, this week I was praying over something. And uh, he, he just, <laughs> the way he said it, you know, oh, I know the verses. You know, because, uh, you know, it says that whoever shall believe, you know, say to this mountain, and does not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things you say said come to pass, you know, all that stuff. And, and I, w- I was sort of thinking about some pretty incredible things that are going on. And I was just thinking, wow, God, that's just amazing. I could give you some stories, but, you know, I, just, I, was, just, I was just thinking about some very just extraordinary things that had happened. And, <laughs> and just out of, just a quietest little voice comes and says to me, if only you'd believe, all of those things are possible. He said it like that. And he said, if only people would believe. And that just, that, I received a revelation on that. I began to realize that we had been trained out of believing. We have been trained to be logical. We have been trained to understand the way things work. And that's how they will be. And there's no way to change the way things are. And he was saying, if only you believe you can change everything. If only you believe. But you can't believe that. And that's the problem. Nobody can. Everything in our education teaches, takes it out of us. In fact, we've come up with all the formulas that if you throw a ball up, I can tell you exactly where the thing will land. And how long it will take to land. And how far away it will land, depending on the amount of force that was, you know, it was thrown with. And all that stuff. You'll never, you'll, and so because of that, you have this, and that's what happens to everything in our life. Everything is a calculation. Do you understand? And do you know what faith does? It ruins all the calculations. <laughs> you can throw a ball, and instead of it coming back down, it can just keep going. If you believe. Yeah, but see, that's the problem, isn't it? As soon as the yeah, but part comes in, then, then the ball starts falling. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? There is something in our heart that needs to override the information that's in our head. And has the ability to change laws and whatever is necessary for a miracle to happen. Did you get that? Yeah. If only we believe. That's it. Nothing more to it than you need to believe. If we get that revelation, we'll begin to understand 
And we'll begin to pray, God, help me to believe in this way. Help me to get rid of all the things that get in the way of me believing. Show me what those things are and let's start getting rid of them. One at a time. Now, that doesn't mean you become, you know, kind of weird and dumb and okay. <laughs> okay? But you need to understand where the balance is, that's why you need wisdom. Okay? Where the balance is, where your faith is, and where you need to still keep doing certain things because your faith isn't there yet. We have to be honest. Amen? Amen. Okay. So that was just something that just went off in me. And notice it says here, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power. Now, understand that that verse is also talking about salvation. Okay? It is also talking about those of us who receive Jesus Christ as Lord, that, an ex- that His exceeding great power went to work in our life to cause the new birth to happen. That was a huge thing, by the way. Okay, the new creation. But understand something, as somebody once said, the way we get in is the way we live the rest of our life. We get in by faith, we are to live by faith. Amen? That's what the Bible says. The just shall live by faith. And the actual translation says, the just shall live by faith and have their lives sustained by faith. Amen? Understand your life can be sustained by faith. Do you know what that means? When you have one bread and one fish, you can pray over it and have lots of bread and lots of fish. Your life is being sustained by faith. Those people out there that day were sustained by faith. Amen? Because there wasn't enough for everybody to eat. But when faith was released, there was more than enough. In fact, they, took, they, they picked up leftovers in baskets. I think there were 12 baskets, one of those instances. It's very interesting because there's 12 apostles and each one got a basket. Anyways, <laughs> don't we love leftovers? Okay. <laughs> um, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also with that which is to come. So, this is the kind of power that is behind what God did to bless us spiritually. And why the devil and all of his demons have absolutely no defense against it. Do you understand now? There is an exceeding great power that is at work on your behalf. And this is the reason why God always says, you know, the, I keep coming back to this one thing where he says, my people are destroyed for one reason, a lack of knowledge. I've got all this power at work if they just believe. But they will never believe if they don't know. Amen? So you need to know before you can believe. But once you know, it's up to you to believe. Hallelujah. Amen. And I believe that you would believe. Amen. That worked, didn't it? Okay. Right. <laughs> Returning to Matthew 5 3. <laughs> it's late at night tonight. We find that there's a further application to this verse aimed at those who had the audacity to think that their self-righteousness would get them to heaven. And to them Jesus had this to say in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. I discussed this before, but let's read it anyway. Luke 18 and beginning verse 9. um, Also he, Jesus, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Notice, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. This is self-righteousness, okay? And despised others. 
I like that. Notice the two things that happen. When you become self-righteous, you put other people down. Amen. That's why it says, you lift one another up. You encourage each other. Amen. Alright. Luke 18 verse 10. He says, two men, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I need you to see those words. With him. He wasn't praying to God. With himself. God. Now he's going to mention God. But this is with himself. Okay. This is for everybody to hear. I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners. Unjust. Adulterers. As he looks you know, on the side of his eye at this guy. Or even as this tax collector. See that? Okay. Verse 12. I fast twice a week. Now, and hang on one second. One second. Is he informing God of anything right now? Do we know that God knows everything that, you, that goes in your life? So why say it? Do you see the problem here already? This is not for God because God already knows. But it's not enough for God to know. I want people to know what I do. Be careful of this. Alright, so he says, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And God said, oh, really? Oh, you are so amazing, I had no idea. You know that's what's not happening. Alright, verse 13, and the tax collector. Stand, so again, notice there's nothing here to say, God forgive me of anything. Because I have done nothing wrong, God. I've done all this right, not like that guy over there. Verse 13, And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all the stuff that this guy did. Okay, everything that this tax collector did has just been wiped clean. His record is clean. He is now, before God, righteous. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. In other words, for all those who trusted in their own righteousness, their acknowledgement of being poor in the Spirit was to admit in all humility that as good as they thought they were, they still need God. If for no other reason than to get rid of that judgmental spirit and that critical eye. Amen? This is a lesson for us all who can get so easily off track and become super spiritual, and try to impress God with our self-righteousness, only to realize that it is then that we need His mercy, grace, and forgiveness the most. Amen? Let, let me just... Um, let me take a moment here, just to share something with you. One of the things that you know, very religious people do is that they... they quote-unquote, encourage people to stop doing this and stop doing that and, 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 you know, take responsibility for their life and try to do things better and do things right. 
And as good as that sounds on the outside, what happens is this. People start giving up things in their own fleshly strength. And because they're doing it in their strength, then they, they become prideful in what they gave up. Not what they were delivered from. Do you understand the difference? But they, through, the, through their will, and through the, you know, their uh, strength of whatever, they fought and they overcame this thing. And then they look at all the people that are still under that bondage. They look down their noses at them and say, well, obviously they're weaklings, they're not as strong as I am. Do you understand? And what happens, and this I've seen this happen so many times, religious people that have this effect on people and force them to change in that way, end up with more people that are like them. And as Jesus said, they become twice the sons of hell than these people were. Isn't that interesting? You know why? Because what they did was in the flesh. And what we are looking for is in the Spirit. Amen? So whenever, you know, if, if you're dealing with... And that's why I'm saying be careful of people like that. Stay away from them. Because they'll make you feel bad. They'll look down at you. They'll talk about, you know, you know, well, you really shouldn't be doing this. So you really, you know how they little barbs that come out, you know what I'm trying to say? And you, you feel really bad after, you, you know, this, you perceive them as people that are very godly. And every time you leave their presence, you feel like you've just been beaten on and you just feel like you're a good for nothing, no good, whatever. If anybody ever makes you feel that way, warning lights need to go off. Because God never does that. You know the interesting thing about God? He doesn't say, well, you shouldn't do that, you understand. You know. He doesn't do it like that. You know what he'll say? You're better than that. I know you. You've got greater potential than you ever imagined. Just step out and see what happens. I'll help you along the way. You don't need to do this on your own. I'm in you. I'm with you. I'll empower you. You just need to make a decision. All the rest will do together. That helps. Amen. You kind of go, oh, okay, we can do that. Because you know what happens then? When you overcome, when, when you have victories in your life, do you know what you don't do? You don't put yourself up. You don't exalt yourself. You say, listen man, what God did in me, He can do in you. What God did for me, He can do for you. Amen. So all you need to do is make a decision and then let Him help you with the rest. Because he'll have wisdom that is particular to you. He'll give you things. He'll say things to you that will turn your engine on. Nobody else can know those things. Only he knows what got you to this place and how to get you back out. So I'm not going to tell you I know anything. I'm just going to tell you I know the guy who knows everything. <laughs> okay? And I'm just going to introduce you to him and let him do the rest. And I'll just keep praying for you. That way they don't feel like you made them change, and you get all the credit. Because people just don't like that. And sometimes they'll just say no to something just so that you don't get the credit for it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stop there. We'll come back, and we'll pick it up here, in First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Yep, where he says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. 
Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we just thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, insight, and revelation. 